They've been around for 123 seasons in original AL franchise. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. The White Sox were a really good expansion team as they won a World Series in year number six. We're going to talk about that franchise today. Don't think about the White Sox as being an expansion franchise. Right, I, I was confused because you called them an original AL team and an expansion and franchise. Because I'm not sure how that quite works. There were no White Sox before 19. There's no other incarnation. It's one of the things I like about them. Mm-hmm. The White Sox. They were born as the White Sox. They've always been called the White Sox, although they were called the White Stockings. Mm, nah. <laughs> okay, but um, you know they were created. Right. That makes them an expansion team. They didn't come over from another association. Oh, but that's not how we use expansion teams. No, no. I'm I'm stretching. I, I right, right. But the idea that they won a World Series in 1906 or their sixth year. Right, right. But but to call them an expansion franchise is misleading. <laughs> well, anyway, they got off to a good start. They, they did get off to a good start. And I mean, had it were not for the uh, Black Sox scandal, they would have had a couple World Series, you know, in their, would have been the third third, one. In their early years. 1917. Um, and we forget that they lost the World Series to the Cubs in 1907. Mm-hmm. I think 1908 uh, as well. So they were in three straight World Series. So Chicago baseball really ruled the early 1900s. Exactly. Exactly, and and the, and the White Sox. However, since that time, then you got to go all the way to 2005, and we'll talk a lot about that. That sort of weird, like it's it's a, 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 right. It just kind of happened, and everybody's forgotten about it. It feels but, like but it was the only one since 1917. So, and it's just it's interesting how you have a team that's that in every sense personifies the sort of little brother esque relationships that all two team cities have because. The Mets-Yankees relationship has been feisty. The Dodgers-Angels relationship has been dead. Yeah, well, the Dodgers, that, that was, that's a much more recent relationship, right. you know, really. But the Cubs-White Sox have been around as the two-team city longer than just about anybody. You know, you're right. It's, it's, and that's a good point because the Cubs and the White Sox coexisted in 1901 when the White Sox uh, you know, started. Uh, the Yankees didn't become the Yankees until after 1910 or whatnot, and the Mets didn't come around until 62. So you really don't have that. This is over 120 <laughs> right, right. years of playing each other. And, and I feel bad for the White Sox because, you know, in a sense, you know, when they were the lovable losers... Were they Liverpool losers? No, because the Cubs were across town. <laughs> and so they had to suffer through that, despite having almost equally as long a, a non-winning, a World Series winning streak, they were basically always re- relegated to second tier behind the Red Sox and the Cubs. And then, bam, in 04, the Cubs, the, the Red Sox win, and then the White Sox win the year after that, which almost makes their accomplishment seem less fe- special would have been more in the eyes of heralded. other, in, in the eyes of neutral fans. I think, obviously, to White Sox fans, that 2005 World Series meant the world, because you had entire generations of White Sox fans grow up never seeing a World Series. And it came out of nowhere. Right. So, um, they've got six pennants, so they've been to the World Series more than just, you know, those... Uh, but most of those are, are localized to their early, you know, right, first 20, 30 right, years. Right, in 1907, 1908, they lost the Go-Go Sox, lost the 59 World Series to the Dodgers, and that's it. Right, then it gets dark. Right, right. They, they, haven't, they, they haven't been to the World Series. So six pennants in 123 years, that's a little rough. Um, you're right about, I think, uh, when you mentioned the inferiority complex, the little brother complex to a degree, um, although it's hard to feel that way when you've been on 123 years. But right. to the Cubs, at least. To the they, Cubs, they at least. That way. And then the whole, there's a whole geographical aspect, which I'm probably not qualified to talk about in terms of the Southsiders, right? Right. That's in the south side of town of Chicago and the Wrigley Field, north side. And 
it is a very big deal that yeah. w- they are on the south side compared to the north side. That changes who roots for them. It changes the complexion of the team. It, it means a lot that they're from the south side. So, uh, and it's kind of ironic that we talk about the three win Cubs in our prior right. deep dive, and right after that is we the, go into the we go into the White Sox. So they, you know, they. Um, Want to basically, you know, with the five pennants or six pennants and mm-hmm. three world championships, um, you know, they haven't been a consistent winner. Uh, and I think we should talk a little bit about, you know, when they were good. And the problem is when you talk about when they were really good, it's a really long time ago. Right. And you, you they this is a problem that's really unique to, I want to say, them and a team we talked about previously in the Guardians in that. Their success was so early on in their history that the average baseball fan really hasn't watched them be a powerhouse team for a number of years. Like if you're a Dodger fan, pretty much if as long as you were alive for more than 10 years, you've got to see a period of dominant play from your team, most likely. Same as if you're a Yankee fan, you, you know, you had a dark decade or two. If you are a White Sox fan, you had a dark like 90 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's... And and right, the Dodgers. I mean, they had a twenty-year period, I guess, when they didn't do anything. But the White Sox just went years without having, you know, a playoff team. Not right, much, much less. You know, and 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 they were not. A World and they might have been what was it even a more frustrating form? Is they weren't just you know, they weren't true stinker bad. They were just not good. Right. Like like, and that's why they have a career five hundred two winning percentage because all of the years they weren't making the World Series, they weren't you know, bad. They just weren't good. But, but I don't, I think we've, we've sort of talked about a lot of teams that don't have a 500 winning. Right, so it's interesting history. that they talked so about one, how good they were early on. Right. And how, how much, or, or they never were maybe that bad. Right. They've never been that bad. They've always just kind of been okay. Right. Though, I don't know how many times the White Sox have lost a hundred games in a season, but I don't think it's very many. No. So I think they, they, they really haven't gone down to that depth and that's probably why their record is over 500. Exactly. So, uh, and you know, on the South side, they, they started playing in South Side Park, um, uh, and then they moved to what is what's called Comiskey Park, and when it was built in 1910, uh, and that was because they basically needed some bricks and stuff like that. Because it was like a wood ballpark, you know, before that, as as many. Of them and Comiskey Park is definitely the park I most remember, well, sort you of. You know, the old Comiskey is right. not the new Comiskey. No, they call both of them Comiskey, which is confusing. Right, right. So when the new field opened in 1991, mm-hmm. um, it, oh, okay, then I only know the new one. Right, right, right like the, the new Comiskey, and they built it like a lot of the replicas with sort of echoey of the. Right. Right. Of the former committee, which I don't know too many people that felt that was a fantastic ballpark. It was just a historic ballpark because it had been around for 81 years. Before. Right, right. And I think people are always attached to the old ballpark. So I could see why you would want to at least echo elements. I mean, they did that with City Field and Shea. They echoed elements of that. So, of course, they're going to do that with Comiskey Park because that was a much longer standing stadium and certainly more iconic in a lot of ways because of that or iconic. And the new Comiskey was originally called. I think it was called that and U.S. Cellular Field about the same time. It was called U.S. Cellular. Now it's called, you know what it's called today? What is it called today? <laughs> right. Guaranteed Rate Field. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's just we can get into a whole other conversation uh, right right it's about like oh man stadium names just aren't as good as they used I mean, to be guaranteed rate field i mean even city field isn't great well, once you know well, it, it's that's close kind of, that's kind of a play on words I right it's a play on that. words but like you know safeco there's just a lot that aren't good yeah 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 so uh and when you look at the you know all-time White Sox, and you, you look at the the retired numbers. They're they're names that you'll know. Um, so let's let's. It, see. It, it is interesting though when you look at these names. They very much come from the two World Series 
periods with these teams. And I think that's very interesting when you look at this is that they're great. It's so localized to those two groups of teams that they're like, what was going on with the White Sox between like 1920 and 2000? Yeah, well, just not. There wasn't a lot of greatness, I would more say. I think that's a good point, I, and and you don't have a lot of players that come through that. You, ha- we'll talk about some of those guys. Some of those, do, there's a that, few that I've only become familiar with just because the more baseball I because we learning guys we're like consuming baseball content at such a rate, we're starting to pick up more and more of these guys that were really good players for the franchises that might not have been winning a lot during those times. So the retired numbers, and there are a lot of them. In fact, remember we talked last week about the Cubs and how we were surprised there weren't that many retired numbers for the Cubs. Well, the White Sox have a bunch, um, including Nellie Fox, who you kind of heard I've of. I've heard of, yes. Right? Hall of Famer. Harold Baines' his number is retired, number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Appling, which we, we've talked about. We've him talked about him a couple of times. Really, yeah. really terrific shortstop. We'll talk about him some more. Uh, Minnie Mignoso, um, the Cuban Comet, his number was retired. Uh, Luis Aparicio, shortstop, who uh, won an MVP. Uh, Paul Canerco's number is retired. Right, which is interesting because he's definitely not on the same sort of tier of player as the a lot of those other guys. Like, you would probably put him lower than even Baines, I'd say. I, I, well, he's not a Hall of Famer, so... Right, right, and Bain, but Baines is a Hall of Famer, but I would argue he's even less arguable. Yeah. Like Baines, he's got can, an arguable case. I right. just don't think he is I think one. he's got a less right. arguable case right, than right, Baines, right, even. Right, right, um, and, and I'm just surprised because that just shows you how beloved he was in Chicago. Right. Oh, he was there his entire career, I'm pretty sure. And he had a, had a bunch of years. He was there for the championship in right. five, uh, but there was also a lot of lean years as well when he was mm-hmm. there. Um, Ted Lyons, we'll talk about him, a pitcher, a great pitcher that many people don't hear of because he pitched for them, as you pointed out, in a period where they weren't winning anything, so you just, you know, right. yeah, he was the best pitcher on a non-winning Team. So why are you going to talk about them that much? You know, he's not going to win Cy Youngs. He's not going to be in the playoffs. He's not no, going to get. He didn't on. have Cy Youngs when he pitched. Or uh, even worse. Uh, Billy Pierce, another pitcher who also became a manager. Uh, famous White Sox. Like, you know, White Sox fans know Billy Pierce. Um, Frank Thomas, obviously, obviously, would be retired. Mark Burley's number is retired, number 36. Again, he's kind of like kind of like Canerco, I would say. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of support for Burley as a Hall of Famer, I got to tell you. He's on the ballot. He's. I don't think he'll make it, but he's gonna. he'll make a second ballot. Carlton Fisk is, on, is, is a retired number, which is interesting because I'm going to guess he might have his retired, a number retired by the Red Sox as well. So um, for both, for interesting. Both, yeah, it's possible. We Can't should, imagine there's a lot of guys out. that have done that, uh, so those, that have that. Those are sort of iconic um, uh, White Sox names. That's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers. Um, and so if you flip over to the best White Sox at each position, that'll mirror some of the right, 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 you will, Basically, every single name we just said comes up in that discussion then. So uh, you know, the pitchers, uh, Ted Lyons and, and Billy Pierce I mentioned as well. Um, Ed Walsh was a, a great early in those early 1900s. Wilbur Wood was also part Wilbur of Wilbur Wood was a, was a very good pitcher. Uh, you know. And then and then there's really not a lot of guys that until you get to Burley, basically. Right, right. Nobody knows. Like, you ever hear of Red Faber? No. Nope. No, Red Faber was a great White Sox pitcher. Again, on teams that didn't win anything and didn't pitch in the World Series. So how are you going to, you know, really evaluate a guy that, particularly at the time that they pitched, you know, if, they, if the nation wouldn't hear about you, right, nobody was hearing about you. didn't get into the World Series, right. you know, because there's, there's no way. You had to read the read the, the pages very deeply to get to find the White Sox well, box wait, score and, if you were anywhere but Chicago. And then you were just looking at a box score. It wasn't like you had a big, long article about the game, the team, the players. You just had a box score. So you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy had a good game, it looks like. Like, but you wouldn't have the narrative that you would get with your own teams in the paper. 
Right, right, right. We mentioned last week. Um, so Carlton Fisk is one of the catchers that I that I picked would be a, a great. Now he didn't play. He played a, a how lot long of years he, with the Red Sox. So. Yeah, like how many years did he play with the White Sox? It couldn't have been that many. Yeah, I, I think he played like eight or nine years with the. So White it's Sox. impressive that he was able to get enough, you know, accolade and in, in yeah, acclaim there to get his number. Check retired. me on that. Right. Um, and Ray Shalk, we talked about him in, in the in the podcast last week because when I said that um, Joe, oh, who was it, uh, had only. Uh, Twelve home runs, oh, uh, you know, oh, for yeah. his entire career. Johnny Evers, mm-hmm. um, and this Ray Shock was the only guy who has fewer career home runs. Oh, right, in the he was Hall the second baseman with right? eleven. He was a catcher. Your catcher. So he was a catcher also on those early World wasn't Series. Wasn't he on teams. the? Wasn't he on the Black Sox team? I think he was on the. Black right, Sox he was, team. and he was one of the guys that was like most decidedly not involved in that. that that's uh, the way the story goes as well. well. At least that's how I remember it in the movie. So those two guys, um, I. I Put Frank Thomas as the first baseman um, um, because it's hard not to. He played a lot of games at first base. People think of him that he DH'd more that. He, he actually played as long, first yeah, more. Right. If he played enough games at first base, you have to put him there because it wasn't like Canerco was a great fielder and Thomas was just a better hitter. And Jose Abreu, believe it or not, played there long enough that you go, wow, he has all-time stats for a Chicago White Sox first baseman. Right, right. And, which and is that. a misleading if, if you have to think about that statement to yeah, really right, understand right, it. Right, right. But I guess he's I felt he should get a car because he did really produce when right. he was there. Um, Nellie Fox was your second baseman and another guy who was on those Black Sox. Eddie Collins. Eddie Collins, who also played a lot of years for the Philadelphia A's. Um, so, he, But he played 13, uh, 13 years for the A's and 12 for the White Sox. But that's a long career. That's a long career and uh, was an excellent player for both teams, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, we, we mentioned Luke Appling and Aparicio, both of whom's numbers are retired. Right. And so you're seeing all of these guys that we're naming right now are coming from that 1900 to 1920 period. Well, not, not Aparicio. Aparicio. Aparicio played in the 60s. In the, well, outside of him. So I don't know him at all. Uh, like Aparicio? He, yeah, yeah. He had a freaky year where he, you know, won the the, the MVP and just wow. was, was, you know, the best player on the White Sox and obviously one of the best players in baseball. Because well, you said, was that in 59 he got the MVP? And it wasn't in 59, actually. I think it was in, in, the, in the early 60s. I should know this, but I I, I, I don't off the top of my head. Um, and he, you know, was for a shortstop to do the thing. I think he had 22 homers in his MVP season, so shortstops didn't do that. Okay, so yeah, that would be time. a big and deal. he was a terrific fielder, so mm. he kind of had that year uh, that made him MVP. And I, I, it, hopefully it isn't 59, and I'm, I'm wrong about that's a good question that you asked. Um, Ozzy Guillen, I I just mentioned him because what surprised me about him not being in the conversation is how bad he is. <laughs> well, not how bad he was, but that his career ops plus was sixty nine. Uh, like, like that, uh, that's, that's shocked. That's me. terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. Um, and so he doesn't get a sniff of this, you know. And I don't think, you know, I, I think Omar Vizquel has him, you know, beat by a long handily. Way as a, yes, as a, but Ozzy Guillen was the manager of the 05. Uh, White Sox he that was won the character. World Series. He was a character, but they have a World Series, and he was the guy. Uh, third baseman, pretty easy. Ventura? Yeah, yeah. Ventura, I, I think... Um, I mean, he's a, is he a Hall of Famer? He was close, right? Yeah, I think there are guys... He used to get in line at a position that's underrepresented. Right, right. But you Nettles were, gets in before him in right, my book. And Roland should have been in before him and you know, right. in that sense. Right, right. So uh, I had to go looking for the other guy. It's never good. Which Right. It's like, like okay. But although, you know, over 120 years, who are the great White Sox third baseman? It's okay if I'm not a White Sox fan if right. I don't know. Don't know. But it's Willie Cam... And 
and he did have an excellent career. But and I went back and just looked. Okay, who starts at the position at, at for each year? And when you see a guy there for like seven or eight or nine years, then you can take a peek. Okay, let me look at his career and see. He must be pretty good, right? Um, Bill Melton, I remember watching as a kid play. Was was solid. Had a thirty six homer season. So that kind of popped in the seventies when guys didn't right, hit right, right. Because guys didn't hit a lot of homers. So hitting thirty five plus made him made a name for yourself. But Ventura's got him beat. By, oh yeah, by a good margin. Um, in the outfield. Uh, I I picked Joe Jackson and and uh, there's a guy we could have a whole podcast on by by itself, um, and Harold Baines, right? That's a really it's like a guy that everybody thinks deserves to be in the Hall of Fame but isn't, and then a guy that everybody thinks shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame but is. Every time you look at his numbers, you think. Those are good. And then when you think, okay, I, I thought he was a DH, right? I, I don't know why. My brain, so he played a 1,000 games in right field. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of games in right field. So that's not a, a pure DH, obviously. No, that's like any not, more than Frank that's Thomas. That's 8 to 10 seasons Any more than Frank right Thomas field. is in the first baseman. So um, I put him in there because I think he belongs. Um, one of my favorite players and a guy who I feel has been well overlooked for the Hall of Fame, we don't talk about him much, is a guy named Chet Lemon, who played for both the White Sox and the Tigers was a terrific defensive, like almost Andrew Jones-like, you know, center fielder, mm-hmm. that good defensively. Hit a hit a ton, uh, but never was the best player at the position in the that league. That makes it really hard. So, so that's probably why he didn't get much of a sniff, but I think he should get an outfield slot uh, along with Johnny Mostel was another mm-hmm. guy that I that I put in there. He's, he's an old... Mini Mignoso, I put in the outfield. and I think a he, great career. Right, right. I, I don't think I realize... He's realized. an all-time White Sox. If there's a guy that ha- kind of has to be on this list, it is Mini Mignoso in a lot of ways because he is one of the few guys that exists outside those two World Series, those World Series periods that was a really phenomenal player for them. He played for those Go-Go Sox in 99. He came up uh, in 49, so obviously Jackie Robinson had come up two years before and the Cuban Comet, uh, what his advantage was is he was only 25 years old when he got the major major leagues, whereas a lot of these other guys were much older. Leagues for such a long time that they were older than that when they first got there. Even they were great early but you would have loved to have seen them had that opportunity to play in their youngest years, right? And also pretty close to, to be pretty much got his prime to be able to do that. So, and over a, a great name on the 1916 fielder Jones, truly uh, a baseball uh, name. There's a baseball name right there. And the other guy I remember played there. I, I, I couldn't remember how long he played, and he also played, I think, for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And interesting, like Chet Lennon and the White Sox is Maglio Ordonez. Right. Like I think he he gets more. But I, I do you think of him more as a White Sox or as a Tiger? He played eight years for the White Sox. Right. I don't know. I, I, and that's something similar. And with I the think. And, and you can't kind of can't go on feel on that. It's like, well, he played eight seasons, so he should qualify. It's not like, well, yeah, but he paid 12 for a tiger and he just feels more like a tiger. So we're not going to count him. It just means you can't find anybody else. Right. That's, that's also true. When I start looking and they're like, I'm looking going, okay, I got to come up with somebody. And maybe you should have a White Sox fan do this with me. Then like, oh, you're forgetting about, I don't Aaron Rowan. No, no. I don't think so. Um, uh, the closers. So, um, I mean, Bobby Jenks. I that was my first name, but Thigpen, Bobby Thigpen, right? Because he had the fifty-seven save season, uh, which I think is still one of the it might be second all-time to right. Rod sixty-two. Um, so and Roberto Hernandez was had some good seasons for them, for yeah. A while. Um, so I, I think that, and, and, I, and I'll ask you a question. So, who was the closer on the two thousand five White Sox? I 
Was it Bobby Jenks? It was not Bobby Jenks. I think he was on the team, though. Right, he was on the team. Yeah, he was not the closer. Oh, who was the closer? 27 guy? saves or 27 for the closer. Dustin Hermanson? The Expo? Yes, that's what I thought, too. <laughs> he I thought was, he was a starter. Uh, yeah, well, he, so this is where the rabbit hole I went down. So okay. I saw Dustin, Dustin Hermanson. He, I looked at his, like, he fin- played the end. So sure enough, he finished 100 games, meaning mm-hmm. that whether it was closer or at the end of the game, and he started over 100 games. And so I said, well, how many guys, you know, could have started and finished without making the complete game? Because that throws the whole that thing throws off, the whole thing off a little bit. So like like they became a starter and yeah. became an exclusive How reliever. Many? So there was a lot of guys that like like too many. But when I went to 150 of each, there was only 40 guys. Wow. So I will probably we'll probably talk about that another that, that, time. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting discussion. Talk about that that, that that kind of stuff. Um, the manager. Um, Al Lopez, um, a Hall of Fame manager who never won a World Series, I'd pick him over that's, Jimmy Dice. That's so interesting the that they have that they're the only Hall of Fame manager they have is the guy that didn't win the World Series. Okay, Al Lopez is like uh, his managerial record is like, oh wow, this guy's like, like why is he like so revered? Because I look like everywhere he went, by the way, not just in Chicago, he had a crazy record with Cleveland, but he never won the World Series. So he was just a but real, he's still a Hall of Fame manager. It's so interesting. Right. That, that just the respect his peers had for him. Right, right. I had the same. I had the same thought that going. Wow, they, they obviously this guy is something special. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the 2005 team. Um, and it's a weird team. Yes, yes. So you, you go around the uh, and we mentioned that Canerco's on that team. Right. So so they would have had Scott Pasednik leading off. I'm pretty sure. That was a great name, by the way. Right. I, I just remember him because I used him all the time in MVP Baseball 2005. So uh, you're right about that. Pacific was your left fielder. Right. Um, Aaron Rowan. Okay, we talked about right. him. I think Jermaine Dye would have been your right fielder. Excellent. You had Canerco at first. Very good. Ventura wouldn't have been at third at this time. That might have been Uribe? No, no. no. It's a guy that we don't think about. Joe Creedy. Joe Creedy. Okay. Right. I don't think he was there all that long, but he was good at least in that particular year. That and then they're short, their second baseman, and their catcher. I'm not sure on. So um, Juan Uribe was oh, the okay. everyday shortstop. I, 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 I was right. Uribe was on that wow. team. I, had him at, I said he was at third there. Yeah, yeah. He was the, he was the shortstop. Um, and the second baseman was uh, Tadhito Taguchi. Oof. Yeah, yeah, he played 150, uh, 135 games for them about a 278. So, uh, who's their center fielder? So, the center fielder was Rowan. Was Rowan, okay. The guy then, was always running a defense. And then right? their catcher? The catcher was A.J. Pierzynski. And then you had Burley, was the top of the rotation. Much of who else was accompanying you him? Know, you know, Timo was on that team. Timo Perez. Timo Perez was on that team, so, yeah. So, it was uh, Burley, Freddie Garcia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was John Garland. Who was a left a left handed pitcher? I remember John Garland. Yeah, Jose Contreras. I, I, he had a very good year that year, actually, at fifteen and seven. And El Duque was the right. Fifth starter. I and forgot he, that. And he had a really good them. postseason. I'm pretty sure. So, uh, but the closer was Dustin Hermanson, 32 year old, pitched in 57 games with 34 saves. Wow. I'm like Dustin Hermanson, and and Bobby Jenks was on the team, but he was only 24 years old, and he, you know, right. only, I just remembered he was on the team, so that's probably why. And he, and he pitched a fair amount in that that season. As he'd go on to set the, the mm-hmm. record. So you know, this was a team that be, I'm sure before the season you thought, well, there's no, you know, this team isn't going anywhere, and and I think they they. Won rather easily. They won the Central rather they, easily. They won 99 games. Right. They just sort of did it that year. So like, it, everything came together. It all came together. And, and guys had career years. Mm-hmm. Guys played, you know, you got a great year out of Contreras. You got a great year out of Freddy Garcia because he was up and down. You got a year you don't normally get out of Pesednik with the bat. 
he was getting on base all the time. I think Jermaine Dye was fully healthy that year, and he was a guy that was always hurt. So I think you just got enough from all the guys, and it worked out. And you know what? They were a team that played that running style of baseball. They had a lot of fast guys on the team. They stole a lot of bases, and I think they put pressure on teams, and they had enough pitching if they were hot. And that's what it matters sometimes. So um, actually, did you um, know who they pl- remember who they played in the world, that World Series? It was a team that was on a super hot streak. Was that the Cardinals? No, no this, this was led by a, 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 Met, a, a Met. He went to the Mets after this, and he had a crazy playoff series. The Astros. The Astros. Oh, right. And the Astros were on a super hot streak. Right, they'd blown out. Because that was the year Beltran went nuclear in the LC, in the NLCS. Right, right. And so they went into this, the series on a hot streak and then got buzzed by the, right. by the White Sox. It was like 4-1. I think so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, 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 you know, and like we said, you know, thank goodness they had that because, you know, they were kind of good a couple of years ago and they were starting to make some noise and they had, you know, I guess when Tony La Russa first went there that first season, they, yeah. they were very good. But then they, they, they've struggled since then and then they've they've just sort of been a non they have good players and they've been a team everybody's been talking about that should be good but i think if you're looking at their you know prognosis for next year you're not thrilled with where they are you're not you i mean they're looking at trade and dylan sees it looks like they're heading into a rebuild almost and it's a rebuild after not really getting anywhere and you think of the guys they have on the current team eloy jimenez they have uh, right, a guy they the, gave the, the big contract to and it worked out Luis Robert, I mean, right? You know, that, Robert, that was a big. No, Robert is actually. It's actually, actually Robert. I thought it was Robert. I'm mistakenly calling him Robert as well. Luis Robert, um, and so, like you said, they've got some good players, and you, the individual parts don't end up combining. And I was kind of getting on Pedro Grafal a little bit during the season. Going, you, you got to get on some. It, it, when when the team is talented and doesn't come together, the same way Buck gets blamed, you have to blame Pedro Grafal. That was a team that should have won the AL Central. At least that's how they looked at it. I think. And and the, the, the idea of trading Dylan C seems a little crazy in some respects because he's young, right? He's sturdy, he's talented. But I think that's a team where you're looking at tearing it that's down to the saying. ground. You're right. I think you are right. I, I, I mean, now Tim Anderson in that division where you think what do you really? Win that division, division. Right. right, right, right. So I, I don't know where they're at right now. I think they're kind of um, without an identity. I, I, I think they're the type of team that might kind of play it, you know, cool going through this off season. They'll see where they're at the halfway point this year, and if they're terrible, they might dump. But if they're playing well, who knows? Maybe they make a move and try and make a run at taking the ALCS. Yeah, they're certainly not a team that's mentioned in any of the free agent. You know, no. But, but the Red Sox fans would curse Jerry Reinsdorf for that. <laughs> yes. So I, I you know, I, I guess it's hard. Maybe maybe being the White Sox is a little like being the Mets, only in that, you know, you kind of feel like, well, you know, the guys across town. Well, it, it's probably even more frustrating for the White Sox fans, because at least for the Met fans, if you as long as you're in a rational state of mind, you're like, okay, yeah, but they've got twenty seven World Series. It kind of <laughs> We're makes never sense. catching them. <laughs> right, right. It kind of makes sense that they're the Yankees, but like the White Sox fans are like, we had more success from them for the entire time why like like that would be really frustrating you get treated as like the second team when they were technically bigger losers than you and they're tied in world series with the cubs at 3-3 right so you know at least they got a real competition there Mm -hmm. so uh yeah well uh, you know they got a long way to go to get to the fourth right now i think they're they're a little further away than the cubs are agreed thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform follow us on twitter almost cool